Good morning, Zoe. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning and to just be in the house of the Lord. And we know that we're all the house of the Lord. With our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're all that in many regards. And I just want to be on, on the front end of this, just really acknowledge that this Christmas has been bittersweet for many of us. I just want to acknowledge that up front. And I tell you that 2020, uh, I would say that for most of this year, uh, we had very minimal uh, reports of uh, people being affected in our church, but the, that final quarter of the year, we definitely got more of the text and the phone calls. And so I just want to acknowledge that uh, whether it be uh, folks had to spend Christmas alone because of quarantine, you or you people you know sick or people who've passed away, some people in urgent care, and there are a number of people we're praying for with respect to that. So I want to acknowledge that. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting time, you know, and you know me, I've been talking about this for a while, that on the one hand, we definitely, we acknowledge the fact that there are unexpected and uninvited uh, moments in people's lives uh, that are filled with pain and distress and tragedy and loss that we don't invite, we don't expect, and there aren't always simple or obvious explanations for these things. And in those moments, we really have to trust God, right? We really just have to allow God to comfort us and know that he works all things together for his good. At the same time, right, we're a church who embraces what we have and who we have in Christ, which includes the, well, first, certainly the atonement of, of, of Christ for our sins doesn't just include doesn't just include forgiveness of sins. It includes healing, health, and protection, and many other things. Everything that God has revealed himself in Scripture to be is available to us through Jesus, through the atonement. And so you say, well, how do you, how do you do, how on, on the one hand do you uh, kind of embrace or acknowledge, uh, you know, the, the reality of suffering in the world, and at the same time with expectation Look to Jesus for blessing, for healing, for protection and provision. And I tell you, you can do both. The reality is this, that the enemy is not after you, is not after your loved one. The enemy is after your faith. The enemy is after your faith. I haven't even gotten to my messages, but I need to just say this right now, that many of us, some, some people are having a hard time right now whether it be financially, uh, because of sickness in their own body or a loved one. Uh, in other words, just dealing with the, just the tension and stress of this year. But what the enemy wants is your faith. Don't allow tragedy, loss, and disappointment to rob you of your faith. I'm going to read something. It's not in my notes. I'm not on my message yet. Uh, but I just, I'm going to read, I'm going to old-fashioned, I'm going to read from the Bible, from, the, from the, my physical Bible here. Uh, in, in Romans 8, and I'm, I'm going to start at verse 35. It says this, Paul is speaking, and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He continues in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is what Satan is trying to do. He wants to separate us from our relationship with Jesus. And he'll use tragedy to do it. He will use loss to do it. And he will have us so focused on the loss that our heart grows hard and cold and our relationship with Jesus becomes fractured. That's what he wants. In the grand scheme of things, we know that if you know the Lord, if your loved one knows the Lord, they're going to be okay. We know that. 
But what the Satan wants to do is put our attention on the value of this life when in reality we are in the midst of a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. We cannot lose sight of that. And unfortunately, Satan, well, fortunately, Satan will not win the war, but unfortunately, there are times when he wins battles. But we can't be discouraged by that because we know in Jesus, we win the war. Really important. So I I wanted to say that because we are going to close out our series today on healing And yes, I have the audacity to talk about healing in the age of corona when I know there are people who have suffered, uh, members of our church, uh, members, family members of members of our church, some of them in urgent situations. And yes, this is precisely the time to talk about it. Jesus had the audacity to heal in the age of, in the age of leprosy. Uh, We're going to have the audacity to talk about it in the age of corona, and this is not a message that is going to make you feel bad if you didn't have an outcome that you wanted. I've had, I've prayed things that didn't go my way. Um, Many people in the Word of Faith movement are people who uh, they've had from, they've had experiences of praying for things that didn't go the way they wanted, but that's not a reason not to continue to believe God for healing or whatever it is, okay? And we're going to talk about that today, all right? So let's get into this. But before I do, I, I want to give one more plug for our fast. I hope that you're, you're planning to participate. Find a way to participate in the fast. We've designed it in a way where you can pick the kind of fast you want. We want you, beginning on January 4th, from January 4th to January 24th, to pick a fast, uh, to fast from food and to fast from media. But you choose how you do that. Okay, there are some suggestions in our fasting guide. You can choose those or you can choose other ones. You can do the Daniel fast or not do do the Daniel fast, but do something. Me personally, I'm going to spend 21 days of a sundown fast, which basically means until five o'clock each day for that 21 days, I'm not going to eat solid food and I'm going to stay away from non-essential media and non-spiritual media up until five o'clock each day. That's what I'm going to do. You don't have to do that. You can do something else. Uh, but the, the purpose of, of it is not to focus on the restrictions, but to focus on drawing closer to Jesus through the Word, faith, and prayer. Um, we're also inviting you to get into the Word, specifically the book of John and the book of Ephesians. We'll be talking about the book of Ephesians on Sunday, and we'll be talking about the book of John at our noon Bible study. Bishop uh, is going to be leading that. So there's some instructions in our fasting guide, so I encourage you to go to our website and check that out. There's also a little book that goes along with it that we're inviting you to purchase. Uh, That's also in our fasting guide. So check that out so that you can participate and also register for our fast. We encourage you to do that just so that we can just, uh, this is a way of kind of you committing. We're not checking up on you. You don't have to put what kind of fast you're, you're doing, but this is just letting us know these are the people who are committing to the fast. With that said, we're gonna get into the word here. Let me say a word of prayer as we do this. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to get into your word, to, uh, Lord, to, be, to, to participate in you communicating to your people about truth, about you, what you want them to hear about healing. And we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So this is our final uh, installment of our series on, uh, on healing, at least the, this particular series, Divine Healing in the Age of Corona. And there will be many more series on healing that we'll be doing uh, over the next several months and years, for sure. So this is just a part of it. And this is probably the, the, the most, uh, this is the eighth uh, sermon in here, and this is, this is probably the most we'll be getting into the mechanics of the healing process. We'll be talking in terms of supernatural healing. And we're going to spend up much more time, in fact, looking very closely at the woman with the issue of blood today. We did a little bit last week or two weeks ago, and we're going to do more today. And so we're going to pick up where we left off on healing at some other series, uh, but for right now, we're going we're gonna to close this series out with here, uh, and I'm going to, as I normally do, review a, a little bit here, and as you know, this series has two objectives. The first is to demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. The second is to foster reasonable expectations for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. Here's the big idea. Receiving divine healing has everything to do with seeing Jesus clearly. Here's the key insight. We see Jesus and develop faith in him from the Scripture. So important. 
so important. In fact, I'm going to say it again. We see Jesus and develop faith in him from the Scripture. So key. Some people, they, their faith is rocked. They have difficulty fostering faith, and it's because they're not in the Scripture. They're not in the Scripture. That's how you're going to cultivate faith, because we see Jesus through the Scripture. We've gone over this already, right? And here's a vital practice. Here's the vital practice that we have to adopt if we're serious about this, and that is scriptural meditation. Scriptural meditation. What does scriptural meditation look like? We talked about this. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. This must be a lifestyle. Now, you can certainly do this in an emergency, but that shouldn't be the only time you do it because it won't be that effective. I mean, imagine a person who was a shooting guard for a basketball team, and the only time they shot the ball was in the game. Imagine somebody who was paid to shoot the basketball, but the only time they shot the ball was in the game, in the playoffs with three seconds left. That's not going to work. You're going to hardly make shots that way. You know, the best shooters, in fact, Steph Curry, he puts up, I don't know how many, you can Google it, hundreds of shots, thousands of how many? <laughs> uh, uh, hundreds of shots a day. Hundreds of shots a day. So that when the game is on the line, bucket, shooting it from half court, bucket. Why? Because he puts them up. And if we're serious about accessing the power we have in Christ, we got to put them up day and night. Day and night. And for, 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 for those of us who've been rocked this year, let this be a wake-up call. For 2021, I'm putting them up. I'm putting them up. I'm going to be in that word day and night. If you don't do this, this word of faith stuff is just cliches and slogans that are empty. You can't just say stuff without actually being deeply rooted in Jesus through the word. It's what you do. So, we, we covered all that. So, now let's get into the woman with the issue of blood here. What the woman with the issue of blood did physically... We do spiritually, okay? Because I'm connecting it back to this practice of the word. Well, I'm going to show you here, okay? So what the woman of, with the issue of blood did physically, we do spiritually. We touch Jesus through the Scripture. We touch Jesus through the Scripture. Obviously not physically touching him, but spiritually touching him through the Scripture. Clearly, Jesus is not physically here. So we can't just go and touch his garment. But we can go and touch the Word. We can read the Word. We can listen to the Word. We can reflect on the Word. We can talk about the Word. And that is, in fact, it's even better. In fact, I, I, not in this series. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it here. But it's even a, a, a better way to connect with Jesus than trying to connect with his garment. That's what that woman decided to do, and it was effective. But the better way is actually to believe him through his word. We touch Jesus through the Scripture. Scriptural meditation is not a tactic to get things, but a practice we adopt to see him, to see Jesus. We get into the Scripture to see Jesus. Once we can see him as a healer through Scripture, through the Scripture, faith to be healed is not far away. Once we can see him as a healer through the Scripture, faith to be healed is not far away. So really the emphasis, to be honest with you, is less on the healing and more on Jesus. We want to be healed, 
We're pursuing healing, but the, you focus on Jesus through the Word. You focus on Jesus through the Word. Why? Because He's the healer. Once you have Him, you have everything. Once you have Him, you have everything. Get to Jesus. That was that woman's focus. I got to get to Jesus. If I can just trust the hem of his garment. If I can just trust the hem of his garment. When I trust the hem of his garment, she knew I just have to get to Jesus. If I can get to him, I'm going to be all right. Let's look at this here. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years, and who had suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had. This is, every, the more you read, the worse it gets, doesn't it? So 12 years, suffering under many physicians, spent all she had and what else? And was no better, but rather grew worse. In this passage, we see a woman resembling people who have suffered from corona. Corona is not her issue, but everything else resembles some people who suffer. Why? Urgent physical condition. Persistent confidence in medical professionals. Worsening symptoms. Urgent physical condition. Persistent confidence in medical professionals. She goes, well, this doctor, let me go to this doctor. You know how it is sometimes. Let me go to this specialist, see this person, see what they can do. No, you go to this person. Let me try somebody else. You fly over here, do that, do this, do that. They try this, and it's getting worse, and you're spending money, and you're broke now. You know, most people would not think twice about people in this scenario other than to have pity and to root for their recovery. Except for the most skeptical of us, their situations would not generate cynicism, doubt, or criticism about healthcare professionals. Many of us experience this. We go to the doctor, it doesn't get better. And there are skeptics out there about healthcare, but many of us is like, we'll go to the doctor again. It's getting worse, we'll keep going to the doctor, we'll keep taking the medicine. We'll keep pursuing the treatments. We'll go try another doctor. Nobody thinks twice about that. On the other hand, there are countless others who would be quick to criticize, doubt, or become cynical about people who sought God for healing without seeing a result. They have no problems going back to doctors, and the condition worsens, and they're not cynical. But let somebody believe God for their healing and not see a result. Well, see. Let them have an unanswered prayer. Uh, well, they won't give up on the doctor, but they'll give up on God as a healer. Now, they may believe he's, they're going to heaven, and they may believe he's forgiven their sins and everything else. But they've given up on God as a healer because they can't see it with their eyes. I'm going to use this analogy. I, I, I use sports analogies because I, I like sports. Paul used sports analogies. He talked about marathon running. He talked about boxing. You know, I bring up Steph Curry a lot. I think he's a great player. Some people say he's, he may be the best shooter of all time. Do you know Steph Curry doesn't even make 50% of his shots? He doesn't make 50% of his shots, but we praise him. We, we, we glorify him. Uh, Michael Jordan, we say he's the best player of all time. He did not make 50% of his shots. But when the game is on the line, when it's three seconds left in the game, 
Game six, because it never got to a game seven for Jordan. We want the ball in whose hands? Jordan. Listen, he may have lost the game before. <laughs> he may have had a bad game before. <laughs> but the coach says, look, if I'm going to lose this game, I'm going to lose it with the ball in Jordan's hand. But yet with God, we count the misses. We don't count the makes. We count the misses and say it don't work. But let me tell you something. As for me and my house, I don't care what's going on. Whatever the situation is, Jesus, I'm putting the ball in your hands. You got this. And Jesus is saying, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Could you imagine having LeBron James on your team and you ain't playing him? You got him on the bench. You say, Bron, Bron, we got this. I don't think you can do much for us. Your, your last game wasn't too, yeah, yeah. Regular season, you, your numbers went down. But you know Bron Bron show up in the playoffs. You know Bron Bron show up in the playoffs. Don't be discouraged by unanswered prayer. Hey, there's coaches that'll say, I, 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 know, I know what he was last game. I know what he did, but I, I, that's what he did, but I know who he is. I'm not betting against LeBron James. <laughs> I, I know what Jordan did at the last game. That's what he did, but I know who he is. He's a champion. Let's not have more confidence in Kawhi Leonard's J, in Steph Curry's three, in LeBron James's dunk than we do in Jesus as a healer. Would you mock somebody who got chemotherapy because you knew somebody who got chemo and then died? Would you mock them and say, I don't know why you're doing that chemo because, you know, my auntie, she died in 1972, and she had chemo, and she, didn't, and, she, and she died. Would you tell someone that? No, but someone praying for healing, would you tell them that? Some people would. The scripture has stern warnings for people who abandon their trust in the Lord to turn to humans. Now, again, I'm specifically talking about Jesus as a healer. It's compartmentalized because they don't have a problem believing Jesus for other things. But when it comes to healing, it's a block. Jeremiah 17, 5, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. I'm reading from the New Living Translation who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. You know, we're spoiled in the West. Oh, just call 911. Oh, just go to the doctor. Oh, let's just go to the specialist. It's places around the world, they don't have that. And you better trust God or die. That's it. Trust God or die. No medicine. No specialist. But we, we can so easily go to a human to help us. We don't think about praying. We don't think about Scripture. We don't think about going to Jesus. Now, look, you do both. Call 911 if it's an emergency. Hey, don't be all spiritual. Do the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Do the things you got to do. But you better pray. We're cursed if we put our trust in humans instead of God. Jeremiah 17, 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. I remember Kobe, he'd had a scowl on his face. He, make a, he had a scowl on his face after he made a shot, man. They're not intimidated by missed shots. Are you kidding me? Three quarters can go by with missed shots, but quarter four is coming. 
I'm going to shoot the next one. The next one's going in. The next one's going in. And they shoot every, I don't care how many they miss, they shoot every ball as if it's going in. Trusting God does not mean that we abandon everything that's natural. It just means that our trust is ultimately in the creator, not the creation. Okay, we're not abandoning doctors. The doctors are on the same team with God. We're trying to get rid of sickness. They're on the same team. But let's look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 for clarity. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. He didn't say don't have money. He just said don't trust in it. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That includes doctors. That includes technology. That includes science. That includes insight about the human body. God works through the natural and the supernatural. And you don't always know when you pray which method he's going to use. So that, don't, that means you don't have to turn down the surgery because you believe in God. He might use the surgery. He might use the therapy. He might use whatever natural means because he's created these things for our enjoyment, for our benefit. But your trust is in God. God, you may use a specialist or you may use supernatural or you might use both. But the trust is in God. 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, For while bodily training is of some value, let me pause there, bodily training has value. Eating healthy has value. It has value. Taking care of your body has value. Drinking water has value. Taking vitamin D has value. T- going to bed early has value. Don't neglect that. It has value. Godliness is of, while there has some value in bodily training, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. In other words, godliness is ultimate because it applies both to this life and the life to come. But don't neglect the bodily training as uh, one, one person I knew said, you know, he was uh, I went, when, uh, years ago when I went on a missions trip that changed my life and just got me on fire for the Lord, there was a guy there from Fiji, and he was a ninjutsu master. Oh, man. And he, he said, you know, one version of the Bible says bodily, bodily training profits a little. He says, get the little it can give you. <laughs> Take advantage of the little it can give you. I'll tell you, because some people open the door by ignoring what God has provided in the natural. God can heal us through natural and supernatural means, We don't want to abandon either one. Some people are so spiritual, they'll turn down surgery because I got to do a miracle. You got to do a miracle. Well, listen to the Holy Spirit and have him, you know, what would he have you to do? He may be sending, for whatever reason, the surgery may be the way out. He set you, he got the right doctor, it's paid for, it's going to be minimal invasive surgery and you'll be in and out. Don't turn stuff down because you're trying to be spiritual. On the other hand, don't turn down the supernatural. When people say, let's believe God. Let's, let's believe God for a miracle. Let's believe God for what he's going to do. Don't turn that down because that may be the way he wants to do it. Our trust should remain in the Lord. However, this means that we must remain open to however he chooses to heal us, whether it be natural, spiritual, or both. When when we close ourselves, when we close ourselves off either from God's spiritual provision or his natural provision, we are abandoning our trust in the Lord. How is that? Because by predetermining how God heals us, we are putting our trust in man. Because you're putting your trust in yourself. Because you're deciding, 
God, if you're going to do it, this is how you're going to do it. But you don't know that. you got to leave it in God's hands, which means that in the healing process, sometimes we don't just need healing, we need wisdom. So here's the person's situation. Lord, how do I navigate this? Which hospital should I go to? How should I talk to the doctor? The doctor's given us these options. Which one should we pick? What kind of paperwork do we need to fill out? Because mm, sometimes you need to turn down surgery because they don't pass the smell test. You're like, well, why are, you going, why are we going to the surgery option right away? Maybe there's some other options. Get some other opinions. You need the wisdom that comes from the Lord, but you're not going to get it unless you're, unless you're seeking Jesus through the Scripture. That's why you, gotta, you can't just seek healing. you got to seek Jesus because he knows the way of escape. He knows the way out of the maze. And he'll share that with us through the Holy Spirit. Now, on the other hand, while it is not our place to determine how God heals us, we do play a role in whether he heals us. We do play a role, folks. And I, I'm, so there is a you factor. Now, I'm going to talk about this, and for some people, they're not excited about this because they feel like when you talk about this, it makes, it shames them or makes them feel like if, you know, whatever happened to their loved one or to themselves is their fault because they didn't have enough faith. Okay. However, by you factor, what I, I'm not doing this. I'm not blaming sick or dead people for not having enough faith. Nor am I blaming the loved ones of sick or dead people for not having enough faith. So no, right now, that's not what I'm going to do. We've already talked about the fact that there are things that happen in life that don't have simple or obvious explanations. I'm not going to play God. I don't have answers for all that kind of stuff. We got to trust God, okay? So that's not where I'm going. And I'm saying that there is a you factor. We can't sit here and act like that our outcomes have nothing to do with us. So for starters, quantity of faith is not the emphasis of Scripture. There's a lot of talk about it. Well, are you saying I don't have enough faith? That's not the focus of Scripture. There's language that suggests that, and I'm not going to get into all the nuances of that, but I will get into this one passage. If you look at Luke 17, 5, notice what Jesus says. The apostles are responding to uh, Jesus' sermon on forgiveness. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to understand how they're going to forgive, you know, X amount of times. In Luke 17, 5, it says this, 5 and 6. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Verse 6. And the Lord said... If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. You see that? Their focus was on amount of faith. Jesus is like, you just need a little bit. You just need the grain of a mustard seed. They th they're thinking size. That's not his emphasis. He said, you, you, you just need the smallest amount of faith. The, 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 the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds imaginable. And with that little faith, that mulberry tree would be uprooted and it would obey you. Here's the principle here. The size of your faith doesn't matter if you don't use it. The emphasis is using your faith, regardless of its size. Using your faith. You know, I've used this analogy before going back to one of the, the playoff games when the Lakers beat, I believe it was Denver. I think it was Denver. Maybe it was another team. But Anthony Davis made the game-winning shot, and Rondo had passed him the ball, and he made it. And there was a game-winning shot earlier in the regular season that, that Anthony Davis had missed. And at that time, LeBron James went up to Anthony Davis, and he was encouraging him. He said, man, I, I, I still have confidence in you, et cetera, et cetera. And then after Anthony Davis made the shot, LeBron James made this comment. He said this, 
He said, I knew he could do it. The issue is not, the issue is, is not like dealing with the stress of making the shot. It's having the courage to take the shot. Some of us don't have answered prayers because we're, we're not taking the shot. We're passing up the shots. We don't want to believe because we, we wonder if that prayer is going to be answered. And we don't want to be disappointed, so we don't take the shot. If you want to, listen, if you want to make shots, you got to take shots. Well, how did Jordan make all those shots? He took them. And I remember on his documentary, The Last Dance, he said, you know, people were like, why is Jordan so confident? And he was saying, like, why would I be worried about missing a shot I haven't taken yet? Worry about that later. Take the shots. Use your faith. It might be the midnight hour. Maybe it requires a miracle for your loved one to come out of that hospital. Take the shot. Take the shot. Because <laughs> listen, here's another analogy, another sports analogy. I don't play much pickup pick basketball. I haven't done it in a while. But I remember several years ago when I was playing pickup basketball, obviously I'm not a tall guy, right? And one of the other players on my team, he was tall. And so I had the ball in my hand, and I was hesitating. I, was gonna, I didn't know I was going to take the shot. And uh, he said, hey, shoot that. He told me, shoot that. He says, I got the rebound. Shoot that. I got the rebound. You might say, hey, what's going to happen if, if they don't make it? Jesus is saying, shoot that. I got the rebound. I got the rebound. Je Jesus is like, look. You can rebound from this if it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Because I got the rebound. I got you. You don't have to be afraid to take shots because I got the rebounds. And as, as, as Pat Riley said with the 80s Lakers, no rebounds, no rings. No rebounds, no rings. But it's no rebounds if you don't take shots. Persistence of faith is far more important than size. That's the theme of Scripture. Keep praying. Jesus giving the parable, right, to his disciples so that they would always pray and not faint. He's talking about the widow, the woman who was going to the unjust judge, and she kept going. And keep asking and keep knocking. Don't stop. It's persistence. It's persistence. But it's just 13 seconds left. We can still win. We can still win. To that, buzzer, to that buzzer go out, we playing. To that, to that buzzer go off, we play. We strategizing. We figuring out a way to win the game. It is our responsibility to use the faith we have. Jesus will develop it. Doesn't Hebrews say he's the author and finisher of our faith? Finisher means perfecter or developer. And he develops our faith as we use our faith. He doesn't develop the faith that we leave on the shelf. Players you leave on the bench, they don't develop. Hence, by you factor, I mean two things. God does not believe for us. God does not persist for us. He's not going to do that. And since I put these notes together, I have two more. They're not in your notes, but two other things. God does not resist the devil for us. And God does not grow for us. There are some battles that if you want to be successful with them, there's a certain level of maturity that's required. And if you're not ongoing, drawing closer to Jesus, growing in the Lord, you won't be ready. I'm telling you, some of the things that have happened in 2020 that are suddenly, they're not really suddenly. They are years in the making. Satan waiting for his opportunity. Satan waiting for his opportunity. It's like being a football team, a quarterback who doesn't know there's a defense trying to stop him. You know, I, I, I used to play uh, Madden football. I don't have time now because of my kids. I used to play it on the video games, and they had a practice mode where you can play the, the football team with no defense. 
And like you threw, you threw a ball, they would catch it every time. Woo, that was easy. Man, woo, that's nice. Running back would go, juke. Nobody to juke. You just keep going. That's not the game. In the game of life, you got an enemy called the devil. He's like that linebacker. 300 pounds, run like a gazelle. His purpose in life is to knock you on your rear end. Every play, every play, every play. You can't live your life like it's golden. Like, I'm going to just be nice to everybody and, you know, I'm going to just not bother anybody. That ain't good enough. He likes people like that. People who don't know he's coming. People who don't know they're not, in, people who don't know they're in a battle. He don't care. He doesn't play fair. He's plotting. That little deer in the forest just trying to have his breakfast. That predator doesn't care. Satan's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. We have an enemy. God won't resist the enemy for us. We have to do it. We do it with the word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted by the devil? Every statement, the word. It is written, the word. Let's continue. Mark 5, 27 through 34, continuing with the woman with the issue of blood, right? So she was persistent with the natural resources. She's going to be persistent with the spiritual. That's all we're saying. We're not saying don't go to doctors. We're not saying don't take medicine. We don't say, we're not saying don't follow your prescription. But if you're going to be committed to that, be committed to the spiritual side. She said she had heard the reports about Jesus. Let me tell you, the Jewish folks at this time, they knew the Scripture. They knew about the Scripture. They knew about the Messiah. They had the Word. And I'm convinced that when she heard reports about him, they matched what she knew in the Word from the law and from the prophets and from the Psalms. And she made the connection. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28, this is so key. For she said, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. When I see it in the ESV here, it's like she was trying to touch him, but she's like, you know what? If I can only get to his garment, I'm going to be whole. Why? Because I know who he is. I know who that man is. I know. I, I, I read about him in, in Deuteronomy. I, I, know, I know who that man is. He, he, that's Jehovah Rapha from Exodus. In Exodus 15, he says, I'm the Lord God who heals. That's him walking. I know that man. Mama, there goes that man. All I have to do is touch his garment. For she said, who's she talking to? Herself. Herself, for she said. When you're full of the word, it just comes out. I'm going to give you an example of what you might say in your situation. I gotta, what I like to do when I'm praying over stuff, I like to go to the medical dictionary and find all the terminology. How is this organ supposed to work? I'm going to take that language and put it in my prayer. I'm going to give you an example of something I pulled from the Internet. Just bear with me here. Of a prayer you might pray. This has to do with asthma. Good Father, I open myself to you. I thank you for healing me, for freeing me, for freeing me from my illness. I thank you that you've cleansed me and purified me, that you've opened up my lungs to breathe freely. I thank you that you've opened all the air passages, the bronchioli, and, and you let the air flow freely in my lungs. I thank you that you've relaxed the constricting muscles, that you've dried all secretions, that you've stimulated my natural antihistamines. Oh, Father, I thank you that you've recruited all of my bodily systems, the circulatory system, the nervous system, my heart, my brain, my lungs, my liver, my pancreas, my spleen, my thyroid, my stomach, my intestines, my lymphatic system, my kidneys, and my muscles, my bones, and my skin, all working in harmony towards healing and health. I thank you that all cellular and biochemical mechanisms are working together to heal me under your guiding hand and spirit. 
I thank you that you've healed my soul, Heavenly Father. You've raised up my natural defenses. You've strengthened me. You've healed me. You've freed me. You've cleansed me. You've purified me. You've purified me of sin and illness. You've restored me. You've restored me to health. You've mobilized my body at every level to overcome this illness. You've cleansed me deeply, Lord. You've healed me of all psychological, emotional, and spiritual wounds that manifest in problems breathing. You've healed me deeply, Lord. You've calmed me, Father. I thank you for soothing me, for letting the air flow and letting my lungs heal and expand without interruption, without strain. You've let the air flow and you have let me breathe freely that my voice may be raised up in praise and wonder to you and your glory in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. I dare you to say that three times daily. And every time the thought comes to your mind that it's not going to work out. The scripture says, if you read the, the Greek, it's basically she kept saying, she kept saying, if I touch his garments, I'll be made well. If I even touch his garments, I'll be made well. She talking. You see, the woman was clearly as committed to the supernatural as she was to the natural. Think about what she had to endure, enduring pain and fatigue from the bleeding. Bundling herself up to minimize or prevent bleeding in the streets. Pressing through a crowd that was thronging Jesus. Violating laws that required her not to be in public. Essentially, she needed to quarantine. Enduring public embarrassment. The woman's pursuit of Jesus represents our pursuit of Jesus through the word. We don't fight physical barriers to Jesus. We fight mental, emotional, and spiritual barriers to Jesus. What are they? We fight fear, worry, anxiety, cynicism, doubt, unbelief, bad reports from the doctor, bad reports from the news, discouraging words from friends and family, unanswered prayers from last year, reports about other people who did not make it, persistent and worsening symptoms all working on us. Joyce Myers nailed it when she wrote the book, The Battle of the Mind. That's where it's taking place. The devil's working your mind, working your heart. And we've got to respond with the word, but we can't do that if the word's not in our heart. And the word's not going to be in our heart if we're not what? Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. All of these barriers are tools by the enemy to challenge God's credibility. However, like Jesus, when the enemy taunts us with lies, we must respond with the word. That means say it out loud like I just did. When the woman with the issue of blood spoke, it was her faith speaking. We're almost done here. Mark 5, 29 through 30. And immediately... The flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? This is key. This is key for all the people who say, well, Jesus just healed to demonstrate that he was the fulfillment of prophecy. He was just demonstrating that the kingdom of God was here. Yeah, well, guess what? Jesus did not decide to heal her. That wasn't even his idea. He was on his way to heal somebody else. She simply accessed what was available to her as a daughter of Abraham. Hence, this healing was clearly not designed by Jesus to be demonstrative. The healing was just a natural extension of who he was. And I don't have time to get into it, but the Scripture records that many other people got healed this way, I think because of her touching his garment. This is our last passage. Mark 5, 31 through 34. <clears throat> and the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, get this, this is so key, daughter your faith, daughter, your faith, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Not Jesus' faith. Not her grandmother's faith. Her faith. And your faith will make you well. The faith that healed the woman was not the faith of Jesus, but the faith of the woman. A faith you can get by drawing close to Jesus through the word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this moment we have together to put our focus clearly on you. We look to you, Lord, as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as our Healer. And we invite you this morning, Lord, to just refresh us with fresh insight about who you are. Lord, as we deal with the dynamics of 2020, its tragedies, its losses, we look to you for comfort and peace. And we look forward to 2021 knowing that you are there with us and that you work all things for your good and are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. There's some of you sitting out there today and you've tuned in, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what drew you to this website or to whatever means that you are listening to this, whether it be on YouTube or whatever digital platform you're listening, but you're listening to it. And my appeal to you is that, look, as I said earlier in my sermon, we can't just skippity-doo-dah through life. We're in the middle of a battle between good and evil. And God is the good and Satan is the evil, and he wants you to use you. He wants to weaponize you against God. He'll weaponize you and then spit you out. But the Lord has plans for you. And I'd like for you to pray with me this morning so that you can not just have a relationship with Jesus, but that he can navigate you through a a world that, that, that appears to be in disarray. Others of you may be sitting there and maybe you've grown up in a Christian community or a church, but you've never actually made your own personal commitment to Jesus. Maybe you've just participated in the traditions or participated in the activities, but you don't personally have a relationship. I'd like to pray with you as well. If you meet either of these descriptions, repeat after me. Dear God, I come to you now, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he shed his blood, and that he was resurrected after he died, and that when he was resurrected, he made it possible for me to live a righteous life. I believe that, and I submit to Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live a holy life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was the first time you prayed that prayer or the first time you prayed that prayer and meant it, we are so excited and thrilled for you. What we'd like for you to do is to text Zoe Saved to the number on your screen. And we want to do this because we want to stay in touch with you, connect you with people who are also in this life following Jesus because we're designed to be Christians in community, not by ourselves. I want to thank all of you who've joined us this morning. It's been a pleasure, and God has seen us through 2020, and he has more in store for us in 2021. God bless you, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.